0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the latest episode of Armchair Producers, episode 78. My name is George Terran. I'm one of your hosts today, as well as the man, the myth, the officially residented in his uh, podcasting office, Mr. Travis Croft. How are you, sir?
1: I am well. How are you, sir?
0: I'm alive. Miraculously, in spite of people's best efforts to make my head explode, I am alive. Let's start. (laughs) We'll take it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the way I'm I'm thinking about it too. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you take more victories where they are. Exactly, exactly. They they can't keep a good Brit down. I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah. so you really do need to start moving away from this. You're not much of a Brit anymore.
0: Mm, that's true. I guess. I guess you,
1: but, you can't you know, vote here, but you know, like. Yeah, that some might why consider Why I want to? <laughs> yeah, there are people who are around the world who have you know over the years like fought and died for a right to vote.
0: I know that's true, but um, unfortunately, the system has been perverted to the point where voting is unfortunately not enough anymore. I want a civil revolution. Well, a know, civil
1: revolution. In the meantime, in the meantime. Um, <laughs> But, yes, you, you are a uh, permanent resident. Um, so yes. You
0: should, uh... yes, absolutely right. Absolutely right. So just to recap, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, last week we talked about the classic Point Break, not the remake, the classic Point Break. And we both were very much in love with it still to this day. And uh, Keanu Reeves was iconically in that shooting up into the sky and shouting because he couldn't shoot his friend and we follow
1: her man
0: potentially there mildly but you know what it takes all sorts and enjoy it I while you can. There's no way a criticism of it like, <laughs> I mean, more of it more of no, it right
1: i, I think it'll be i've always said like those who listened long term i think the new star wars trilogy um the sequels would have been significantly more interesting if it actually developed the bromance between um oscar isaac and john boyega i can't even remember their characters mate.
0: agree uh finn and poe Poe, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. like it was there
1: like everybody knows it was there right exactly exactly And they said, I mean, they said hey we're gonna have a gay kiss in the final movie and it was like a quarter of a second in the background somewhere which they cut out for china um, yeah so come on Now I am all about the bromance and the homoeroticism. If those Mm. blokes had got it on, I would have been a lot more on board with those films. If it serves the story, then hell yes, hell yes. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we've talked before about you know woke or or changing up a story or casting a story or doing things in the story for purely political or appearances Mm. window (laughs) dressing. Tick boxing, yeah. Tick boxing. Okay, but, we need to yeah. have female character. We need a person of color. We need yep. a woman. You know, we need like a woman of color. You know, like it's like it's not like this character. I feel like she would be an Asian woman. Mm. Like you know, like Rose in, in in the in the Star Wars. It's more like we mm. need to do this because that's what the political ideas the creator yeah. make. So you know, um, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But I I think it would have fit. So fit those. I mean, from day one, those blokes, they, those blokes were into each other. Let me do not, do not deny that to me. So, absolutely, uh, I feel like that would have actually fit that story quite well if the two blokes. If, 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 so, if we'd had a a, a bromance, a like Keanu and Patrick Swayze mm-hmm. between Oscar. I mean, maybe even a little bit more overt would have been. I would have been thinking that was actually quite quite daring and exciting from Disney to do, but. I think daring and
0: exciting are probably two words we shouldn't... shouldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it might often. be asking a bit too much there. But yes, we are going on and we are talking about the 1999 classic The Matrix. I'm going to be talking a little bit about the Ip Man series starring Donnie Yun. Travis will be talking about uh, Condor. And I feel like we should touch base and just talk about some of the stuff that came out of DC fandom over the weekend. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Should we start yeah. there? Uh, yeah, we could start there if you like. Yeah, hang absolutely. on, we've all seen the Matrix, but this stuff's like fresh. So yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. So the fandom like? stuff.
0: Well, we got we got a lot of stuff out of there. We got our first official look at uh, the teaser trailer for the Batman uh, with Robert Patterson directed by Matt Reeves. We got the first true teaser trailer for uh Zack Schneider's Justice League Cut. We got um a lot of kind of behind the scenes and kind of panel discussions about uh The Suicide Squad by James Gunn. And we got a weird concept teaser trailer of sorts for Black Adam as well. Those are the kind of the big things that came out of it. One, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, and of course, we did get quite a plethora of video game stuff come out of that as well. We got the Rocksteady game, which is a Suicide Squad one. Um, There was that new Batman game, uh, Gotham Knights. So a lot of content. And overall, I think it was pretty good. None of it kind of came out and i looked at it and went, mm, no they fucked up or oh, that that's a that's an original suicide squad level of bad nothing like that the for me the justice league snyder cut trailer really worked well i i've been invested in snyder's version of it and this looks really great and the information that came out that it's going to be a four-hour mini series on hbo max I think that's great i really think that's a good opportunity i feel like zach schneider has proven with the director's cut of the watchman as well as the director's cut of batman v superman that give him more time and he actually uses it quite well to actually fill out the story a lot so I think that's great and because there's so many characters in this and because so much of it is apparently like the heart of the story it was always supposed to be cyborg being able to develop those characters and those relationships it can only serve to do good i think so
1: i'm, I'm terribly curious to see it um mm. you, I, recall, I was actually watching a few videos because obviously been a number of youtubers react to this sort of thing because you know it, for a long time people were like does this even exist mm. um and I was thinking back to, like, I, I'm pretty hard on Justice League in my head now, because uh, about two years ago now, a little over two years ago now, I, I, I broke my ankle accidentally, though some may choose to disagree with that characterization of what
0: 2020 happened. 2020 is the year of conspiracies coming true.
1: Um, <laughs> And I spent three days in hospital. And because I have private insurance, I got free free cable in my hotel television <laughs> And which included about three channels, most of which were pretty scratchy. One of which had uh, was the movie channel, which I think had three movies. I must have okay. watched Justice League about five times in three days because Ooh, wow! But um, and I think that might have coloured my perception of a film a little bit. But I recall you and I walking out of it going, "That wasn't awful." I mean, like yeah. you know, we were sort of the, the reviews were dreadful. Me in particular was expecting a complete shit show after. Batman versus Superman, which I didn't like at all. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like, we're kind of like going, it wasn't terrible. It was okay. It was a bit funny in parts. Like some of it, it didn't look great in parts. It, and it, I recall thinking that you could really see the joins, I think was the word I used between the Snyder yeah. film and the Whedon stuff. They just, two guys just don't mesh. And nope. I mean, fairness to Josh, so listen, depending who you listen to, the guy was, he was potentially not a very pleasant person to work with. Um, mm. Uh, but I don't know if he had all the time he needed to really make it any better than what he did. So I'm not going to diss Joss too much. I think he did probably the best he could with the time he had. Um, but I remember thinking, yeah, it was okay. But, I mean, I think, though, the message was that if you um, you make a Justice League film, you don't want to walk away going, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't as yeah. bad as the last one. I mean, I know you and I, when we walked out of the Avengers in 2012, we're like, Fuck. Yeah. yeah. I need to see that again yeah. pronto. Yeah. I think I saw that three times at the cinema. So mm. um, while well, I don't know if that film's aged quite as well as we thought it might, it still we were like, yeah, I was really yeah. happy with Avengers. So I'm curious to see what they can do with this because mm. while I certainly don't worship at the altar of Snyder, I liked Watchmen quite a bit. Mm. I just don't like his DC films. I don't think they've been very good um So, but at the same time, I'm kind of with you, right? Like he tries to tell. I think that was the, kind of the argument you and I had about Batman versus Superman. Was he was trying to tell an incredibly huge story, and he was trying to squeeze it in a very tight space, and it was just way too much going on in too short a space. And like he tried this degree of difficulty thing that I will agree with you has never been attempted in Marvel. Yeah, so he did something insanely difficult, and I feel like he failed miserably. Um, but you know, kudos to him for trying. Yeah. Um, so what now I, four, like, four hours, as you said, mm. and a shit ton more money from an and t who now own Warner Brothers DC. Yeah. So he's had a lot of time to work on it. He's got a lot of time on the screen. Mm. Maybe this could actually work.
0: Yeah. What's um, interesting, obviously with all the buzz and the talk, I decided to go back and rewatch justice league just the other night. And, Ooh, it's. It, I I don't enjoy it going back. It's the the comedy in it, which is quite stereotypical in Joss Whedon stuff. That kind of quippy dialogue. It just doesn't sit right with with the characters, and they make weird choices throughout it. That's sort of like okay, you can definitely see Joss Whedon has come in and done this. And while I enjoy many of Joss Whedon's works, um coming in and taking over from something he to me it very clearly stinks of well i'm going to make a joss whedon production whether anyone likes it or not and no matter what's come before it so you have this like the opening of the justice league i think that's really quite a cool opening with you know these um that song that's playing everybody knows and the the slow, quiet sequence of uh, Superman's funeral procession, Clark Kent's funeral, and like aggression in the streets and things like that, that sets an interesting tone. But then suddenly you start getting all this odd comedy coming into it, and the sequence of Batman kind of whipping around on the roof at the start, it doesn't feel right. It looks kind of appropriate. And the movements of Ben Affleck as Batman is cool, but the rest of it, it just kind of sits a bit weird and it just, you going through it, you kind of go, Oh yeah. All those cool bits with such and such. Um, Like the, the moment where the flash goes into his like hyperspeed moment and Superman kind of just his eyes just look over and he just flings them around. They, keep on it's is the cardinal sin of superman is they make him too powerful and granted it did deliver one of the funniest moments just that reaction on Ezra Miller's face when it's like what he can keep up with me um it still it just made superman look so fucking strong it's like well what's the point of the flash and any movie where they make you ask that question about one of the main characters is like, Oh, they're not really doing them any justice here. Pun unintended. It's, it's really hard to go back to. It was, I think a lot of that was like, well, they got it over the line when we went and saw it at the cinema. And it's like, it wasn't the suit. It wasn't suicide squad bad. It wasn't, um, it It,
1: it kind of hung together.
0: Yeah. But
1: like, I, I like some of the yeah. comedy parts, but and but I agree with you 100. percent I mean, I guess that the, the message that we all walked away from, and the, the key thing you need to overcome, I think, in this film is why does Superman need anybody to help him? I mean, that's exactly the problem. And in this film, I mean, you know, the, the Steppenwolf, an entirely forgettable villain. Yeah, um, he looks terrible uh, in the original. um you know why he's kind of hanging in there he's doing a pretty good job knocking off wonder woman and co Mm.
2: um
1: so until superman shows up and goes bada bing bada boom you're done yeah so like it basically and it makes him look so overpowered like which kind of is um so you're like well why does he need to hang out with these losers why does he fucking need batman i mean this is the worst thing like I mean, you and I, I mean, the one thing we agreed on after, after um, Batman versus Superman was like, I need more Batfleck. Yeah. Batfleck needs his own fucking movie. And mm-hmm. I need more of that scene at the end where he takes down the room full of goons, Arkham Asylum style. Yeah. Like one of the greatest yeah. action scenes in a Batman film ever. Yep. That, 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 was the, that, that bit there was the advertisement that said, oh, I am on board with a Batfleck film. Mm. And they never gave it to us.
0: Yeah, um, this so- movie totally neuters Batman. He is mopey. He can't lead. He can't delegate leading abilities. He is just when asked, "What's your superpower?" He says, "I'm rich." rich. It's like, what, no, you're a fucking genius level detective, or you're supposed to be
1: and one of the greatest th- hand hand fighters on the planet.
0: Yeah, no, nope, no mention of that. Just money and like the ship that is he spends so much money on it gets destroyed the base that he spent a fortune on can't keep wonder woman out this is batman he has contingency plans for fighting against everyone and you don't even they don't play into any of that batman is literally just a guy with a wallet in this movie and it's awful
1: they Uh, they destroy all of their characters
0: arguably the
1: most marketable character you've got I mean, certainly the most consistent financial success at the cinema. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I think, I think Superman, because the character's been kind of muted over the last 20 years, maybe Mm. not quite there. I mean, obviously it's incredibly recognizable and, you know, comic book fans can argue about that, but like Batman, arguably the most bankable character that DC owns. Yeah. um, And they just kind of go, I can't think of what's just stick him out the side in the car. Yeah. and you know someone could fly him around us it, it was just it was lame, so we spent a lot of yeah. time on justice league but yeah, um I'm, yeah. I'm with you i'm very curious to see it i would mm. doubt h b o go will be or HBO max will be available in australia i suspect it'll
0: probably to, be foxtel
1: probably be foxtel I usually get the h b o stuff so mm. but I will be very curious to have a look mm-hmm. at that i am I'm, I'm I'm rooting for um for just to get it right because it's interesting not this might bring the d c e u back because now we're talking. Just to go off on a slight tangent for a moment, yep. it's now confirmed apparently that mm-hmm. the Ezra Miller Flash film will proceed and apparently. it will have both Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck's Batman.
0: Yeah, which is also... And apparently um, the word on the street is that it's going to inform as to how and why Robert Patterson's Batman comes into existence. They're working with the multiverse sorts of things in there. So it seems like the DCEU, whilst they aren't seemingly specifically naming it that way there's still connective tissue with it um and nothing kind of says that more than this new batman movie because
1: you you said it on my comment on my facebook status i said i I was impressed by the trailer yeah Um, and you mentioned they've only filmed 25 percent of the film so far yeah and they've managed to put together a completely compelling trailer
0: yeah and it's very quickly just the the tone of it it looks gritty it looks kind of it looks grittier than the um chris nolan batman movies robert patterson in the bat suit looks badass it looks pretty damn cool on a level where when you first saw the the teaser stuff of ben affleck as batman for batman versus superman so like oh fuck yeah he looked cool and a lot of people were very skeptical about robert patterson being bruce wayne and batman and then you you have this basically the whole thing is either really cool innovative looks at some of the iconic batman characters that have been lambasted like the penguin with colin, colin farrell he looks really cool and interesting unrecognizable the joker uh sorry the riddler looks fucking bizarre and brilliant and the the joker inspired uh thugs yeah. and things
1: people have, people have said to me is it the joke of a bad guy and i'm like well no i don't think so they haven't cast the joker yeah so, it, like um, I'm- um, what's up because like the, yeah, obviously how can you have characters with a big smile painted on their face like that and not be somehow so i mean my only thought was maybe it's a nod to the fact that they would probably like to have the joker come in in the next film if they make a next film
0: yeah i mean who knows the success of the joker movie maybe joaquin phoenix joker character is still around maybe i've know
1: been driving dump trucks full of money up to his house i'm certain but please yeah Make another one, and there's been talk of a sequel, and there's talk of maybe
0: bringing him into a Batman film. I don't know if that would work, but... Well, can you imagine this? If they got the right director to um, create a Batman movie with Ben Affleck as the Batman, this is an aged Joker still played by Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, those two actors going head-to-head? That's
1: pretty good. Ah, I mean, I would... (laughs) I would be on board with that because I think obviously I love Joaquin's performance, but I just mm-hmm. like, I don't know if that translates into a, you're right. The right person was in there and everyone was on board and wanted to do it. Mm. I'm sure that could make it work. Yeah. Um. But yeah, look at this stage, I was very impressed with the Batman, yeah. Batman year two, right? This is what they're basing it off.
0: Yes, and apparently there's going to be a TV show uh, chronicling Batman Year One, which is going to focus on a corrupt cop with the emergence of Batman, this uh, caped crusader vigilante working in Gotham, and how it slowly changes the attitude of the cops working in Gotham, which sounds really cool, and it sounds kind of like what they were trying to do with Gotham. But they flubbed it and realized, oh, you know what? Let's just do this all about the villains. And they generally actually had some interesting concepts with either villains. You know, I mean, the one thing I guess, and the one thing that I would like to see the the
1: um some people would like to see the uh, the um the Tim Burton Superman film, which, having seen mm. the documentary about it now, I'm like, actually, yeah, I would too. Mm. Um, but the, the the one that got away from me was the Darren Aronofsky Batman film. Oh yeah. Um, so you're gonna make that Batman movie with um with Affleck and Joke and, and Joaquin.
2: Oh, that would be, that would be good. good.
1: Yeah. And Aronofsky was gonna do a Batman year one with um Frank Miller. He was gonna yeah. write the script, Aronofsky was gonna direct, and that would have been you know that would have been interesting because he doesn't yeah. do boring films. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They it could have been absolutely horrible. Yeah. But it would have been interesting. Yeah. So Aaron Osky's a guy I would like. This is obviously he's a Batman fan. I would mm-hmm. be one day like to see him given the keys.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Now moving um, on from so, Batman. There's a, there's a, there's a good, sorry, I was just going to uh, start moving us on from Batman. I was going to say
1: yeah, the other thing. The other thing that really stood out to me that I was very excited about
0: mm-hmm. is
1: the Suicide Squad trailer. Looks eh, right. It wasn't much there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, Su- the Suicide Squad video game, Suicide Squad
0: Kills the Justice League, looks sick. That looks fun. That looks fun. I'm wondering, considering the, the group dynamic of that whole CGI trailer, I'm wondering if it's going to be um, like a a multiplayer game? like a, a group thing where you can choose to be, you can you can have like up to either four or six members of the Suicide Squad and they've got like a full roster of the Suicide Squad that you can pick and mix and match with and you go around this open world taking down the Justice League, which is a cool idea. That's fun. I, just, I, just, I mean, I know it was
1: only a CGI trailer, but like the was funnier than anything in the first Suicide Squad film, just them mm. sitting around bantering off each other. Was yeah. a lot of fun to listen to, and like if that's the tone of a James Gunn film, yeah, then I'm on. I'm already on board because I love James Gunn, yeah, and I will support him to the hilt. I will do. I will, I will pay to him, watch him have his brother read the fucking phone book. That's what I will do, <laughs> but, uh, you know. And just like the bizarre assortment of characters he's got there, like Popeye yeah. Man and yeah, stuff with Vault, like I just love it. He's going deep. You are know, going really into the into the you know catacombs of a DC catalog.
0: Exactly, and the 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 big thing for me with the James Gunn Suicide Squad is every single actor. There's loads of big actors in there, and small actors, and unusual choices like Pete Davidson, really Saturday Night Lives guy. Okay, that's an unusual choice, but every single one of them keeps saying, "No one is safe." Suicide Squad people should die, and it shouldn't just be like in the first Suicide Squad movie the one that no one even remembers the name of. Because he was in rap- Because he was die. the rapist. It's yeah. like, okay, yeah, sure. Why not? Um that it but that game looks awesome. It looks like fun. Rocksteady games. They know how to make a good quality Batman game that if they just transplant the fun of traversing around gotham into this game and the ludicrous powers that the suicide squad members have oh that's just going to be so much fun i cannot wait i it's going to awesome be 20,
1: 22 for that game
0: yeah but you know what i'll i'll happily pick that um,
1: up yeah, it's the it, difference as good as it looks so quickly black adam that was a weird one right so Black Adam yeah. had a completely CGI trailer, but looked like something for a video game. Yeah, um, and it looks like Black Adam's getting a standalone feature. It um, is, yes. yes. Whereas I think also I think the idea is that eventually Black Adam is a traditional Shazam slash Captain Marvel, Mister Marvels, Captain Marvels, Captain Marvel. Right, the original Shazam was
0: no longer Captain Marvel, yeah, for obvious
1: the, reasons. But, <laughs> but yes. Shazam, Captain Marvel villain. Yes. Um. And I believe the idea was that he would be so Rock would play Black Adam in a film opposite the guy who plays Shazam, who's name. Zachary Man. Levi. Um. So, yeah. But yeah, it looks like he's getting an origin film first, which is an interesting choice for DC.
0: It's. I think it's going to be um a kind of. I reckon because the the history of the Black Adam character is really interesting, and Black Adam as a character is really compelling because he is this. Um, he 's a very poor person who gets this power and rises up and is always dictatorially to a point of wanting the best for that his home country and he takes it to such extreme levels that he becomes a dictator and he 's a very compelling character when the stories of him are fantastic some of the shit that goes on in his life he is he sways from this very villainous character that you kind of go. Oh, but i get i understand why he's doing that because people keep fucking up his country and killing innocent people so yeah he's got the power of gods why wouldn't he go and go on a bit of a murdering rampage to get a bit of revenge but at the same time he can also just suddenly oh thank you i'm just on the desk if you don't mind Thank you very much. he can actually um be this sort of like uh anti-hero as well it's really amazing stuff so i hope that they do kind of a wonder woman sort of thing where they have those bits set on Themyscira, and then they bring it into the the current world because he does transcend time essentially with the fact that he is kind of locked away in uh, the uh the rock of eternity for a long time he breaks free and all sorts of stuff happens to keep him relevant throughout the ages essentially
1: but yeah it's, it was i was a bit like it looked lame actually because it was all cgi i understand they probably did it because Mm.
0: they needed to say something i think but at the same time i don't think they i think they did themselves a disservice because they went so deep into oh his country of kandak and i was a going into so much of his backstory it's like okay i what is this is this like a an interactive novel what it, it just didn't look good i don't think the illustration did a good job i don't think that the way that it was narrated did a good job it, they should have just had the rock come in just talk about it have the director come in talk about it and that's it and not show anything maybe show him costume in the costume time. yeah
1: yeah so they can do a costume test
0: yeah but hey,
1: um we should move off dc but i was uh, i'm with you though it was interesting yeah. that you do it and it was almost like um an E3 or um, uh, like those Nintendo events they have where they... Yeah, the a direct. direct. It was yeah. kind of nice. It was kind of nice. I going to be a little bit more common. I think I heard one of the other big companies might... Sony might be doing one as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But anyway, it was exciting and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm keen to see some of that stuff.
0: The only other thing that I'd like to talk about, just the last thing for the DC stuff, is... Um, what are your thoughts on the uh, the latest Wonder Woman eighty four trailer? Didn't watch it.
1: Did I've watch seen it? everything I need to see so mm-hmm. far. I mean, like I know they are not releasing it anytime soon, by the sounds mm-hmm. of things. But you know, you know the theaters are unopened in most of the world, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to see another trailer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to see that anyway. first
0: look at the villain, um, Cheetah. Uh, played by Kristen wig in this movie and mm, i don't know whether it was just the poor quality of the streaming that i was looking at but some of those things it i kind of got cats vibes from it and it's like that ain't good mm. all right well, yeah i'm excited to see it mm-hmm. i'm
1: disappointed it's going to be probably a long time before i do
2: mm-hmm.
1: um But you know, um, in Patty Jenkins, we trust.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Where should we go next? Do we want to talk about the Matrix? Do we want to have a chat about the Matrix? Okay, we are talking about the Matrix, ladies and gentlemen. This week's movie chain chain movie, and so there's we t- we talk a lot about whether a movie stands up to the test of time we talk about that like we talked about it with justice league when we first left the cinema We were sort of like oh that was amazing we went back and watched it again and we watched it again and it had that buzz um sorry yeah um this movie has been ripped to pieces technologically speaking and parodically, and People have tried to emulate it in so many ways ever since it came out. And it's hard to kind of differentiate yourself from that. But looking back on this movie, it got me when I when they got to the, the lobby sequence, the gunfight lobby sequence, and they started having the music coming on that boom, 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 and the slow motions like uh cartwheels and stuff. I was sitting there going, Oh, I wanna do that and suddenly i realized yeah it still stands the test of time i was still I, I think for the most part i was thinking that um
1: i was thinking that as well trying to like most of his film stands out pretty well the effects mm-hmm. stand out pretty well yeah um where there's one or two bits where the effects are a bit cheap mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. particularly at the end of a film where where matrix where uh, neo sort of dives inside of agent smith and yeah, head explodes and stuff that was like yeah sorry that looks really crap but mm-hmm. You're 21 years old. I'll give you a pass for some of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Where I think those sort of special effects fail these days, the other ones, the the bullet time, mm-hmm. uh, once you think you're calling a whip pans, I think is a technical term for some of yeah. these camera work, where they maybe don't stand a test of time. I think have a lot to do with the Godfather effect. Yes, uh, like this was fucking revolutionary. No one had seen bullet time in the West at least. I. Suspect Mm. I could be, maybe it was in a Hong Kong film somewhere because the Wachowskis were certainly fond of ripping their Mm. shit out of Mm. an anime or something. So, in in, in Hollywood, no one had seen this kind of camera work before, no one had seen anything like Bullet Time before. The Mm. kind of stunt work in this film was insane. Again, Mm -hmm. not seen out of places like outside of places like Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. it was revolutionary. And of course, after that everybody started doing it. Mm-hmm. It got fucking parody to hell and back. Like the, mm-hmm. the famous bullet time scene of Neo leaning back was in every one of those like in a scary movie and probably every other mm-hmm. one of those parody films and like TV shows. So mm-hmm. now it's kind of been a point of fun. You see someone doing something like that. And you're like, oh, great. That's original. Mm-hmm. But like it was original. It was incredibly original in 1999. So sometimes it's hard. You got to pick your head up and go, hang on a second. No. Remember what I felt, I was lucky enough to remember seeing this film in the cinema back in 99 Mm. and going, having one of those wonderful moments you have at the cinema after the scene where uh, Neo's left the the Matrix and he's now, you know, being shown the real world by by, um, Morpheus. Yeah. And I remember having one of those, what the fuck is going on moments? Yeah. Because I had this good part, listen up, kiddies, back in the time... Before the internet was yeah. really the internet.
2: Mm-hmm. So it was
1: very easy to know go into a movie knowing pretty much nothing about it except what yeah. you saw in a trailer. Bit of bars, hey, it's a really cool movie. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about The Matrix, I had no idea what the story was, what the plot was, what, so I was like, what a glorious thing it is for you like not like not one of those you know X, for, X versus Sever or yeah. Highlander no. Two moments where you go, no. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. You go, you see, you're like I have no idea what's happening right now and I fucking love it. Yeah. Uh, the Matrix is one of those pure moments. So I put myself back in the shoes of being in that cinema in 1999 and going, I've never seen anything like this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and for the most part, it, I don't think it's been replicated. I don't think anybody's kind of pulled off a film this revolutionary in in Hollywood since.
0: Yeah, I guess the closest comparison that you could maybe get would be something like Inception
1: perhaps the inception yeah has been certainly
0: yep. certainly been replicated and yeah ripped off ever since yeah. yeah but um i i like you i i don't actually remember ever watching the trailer for this and it was only because i posted about this was going to be our topic of conversation that my mate paul um hi paul um back in the uk we he reminded me that we went to go and see it at the cinema that movie 1999 there were two movies on my mind there was the Phantom Menace and Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, and I fondly remember Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, and then this came out of nowhere. So I'm like, "Oh shit, wow!" And the moment where Neon wakes up and first kind of bursts out of the the, the, the uterus machine kind of thing and just looks down, I sort of like, oh, "What?" I remember it so vividly, and it was it just dropped my jaw to the floor and. Oh it was fantastic and by the end of the movie uh, the last shot you see of Neo just flying up into the sky and uh, was it the red hot chilli peppers the the end so no it's uh, rage against the machine rage against the machine yeah and it's like oh my god that's amazing i need more of this and they gave us more and so they like- went some weird directions um best I, I know
1: i i told you you're not getting extra points for self-flagellation but you did subject yourself to a sequel, so I'll let you talk about them later. But um, I guess so for those out there, if you are uh, one of these weird people, maybe you're a teenager and this film came out before you were born. Um, The Matrix plots from mysterious rebels about the true name and his role in the war against its controllers. So our main character is Neo, played by the fabulous Keanu Reeves, looking very young. He's a Mr. Anderson. He uh, works as a computer programmer who is also a computer hacker by night who mm-hmm. is um, uh, basically trying to hunt down the meaning of what is the Matrix
2: uh-huh.
1: uh, to get, start getting mysterious messages on his computer from someone called Morpheus who uh-huh. leads him getting in trouble with the mysterious agents led by uh, Hugo Weaving. And
0: And this was was Hugo Weaving's big Hollywood breakout role.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, You hadn't um, probably very very familiar to me as an Australian Mm -hmm. actor. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, one could argue The Adventures of Priscilla Queen of the Desert was a bit of a breakout. I mean, he probably Mm -hmm. got his name on the map from stuff like that. But, yeah, this is the one where people, like, after Mm -hmm. this with Lord of the Rings and went on to Marvel and Transformers and, you know, everything. Um, (laughs) It's a... You know, we have he um, finds out some disturbing things about the nature of reality and essentially, um, spoilers, it's a 21 year old film uh, mm-hmm. that uh, he exists. The world he exists in is a, um, is a simulation uh, mm. controlled by computers who are keeping human beings in pods as an energy source. Yeah. Uh, after, a, after the humans lost a war against intelligent machines, mm. uh, he's e- extracted from the matrix and is uh, based by a uh, band of rebels led by Morpheus who now fight the machines and attempt to turn the tide against, uh, against the uh, the war against the machines. Yeah. Um, he believes Matrix is the one, sorry, Neo is the one, the, the, the prophecy foretold who would bring balance to the Force. Oh, no, no, not that. He <laughs> would <laughs> liberate the
0: humans. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're
1: free with humans. So, um, a lot of the film, the first half of the film is about New sort of really coming to terms of who, yeah, you know, natural reality, who he might be, and by the end of the film, we have the uh, famous showdown between
2: Keanu mm.
1: and uh, Hugo's Agent Smith. I'll keep it at that. Um, yeah. And you should definitely check this film out because, like I said at the start, we are talking one of the most important, I would say, pieces of cinema of the twenty late twentieth century. Yeah, yeah so important. Yeah, hundred percent. The way, what I guess one of the interesting angles that they put on this film of late was we mm. talked a little about it last week. Yeah. In the assertion of the story that came out recently from Lily Wakowski, mm. um, one of the directors, the other was um, Lana. Uh, sister, Lana. Um, that this was a an allegory for want of a better term about transgenderism. Mm. Uh, so those who don't know, if you watched the film at the end of the the credits it says directed by the wachowski brothers Uh and you might be thinking if you don't know them you're like hang on a second did you just not call her her sister uh both the brothers larry and i forget the original name of the other one but um andy andy they um but i'm sure they don't like using those names anymore Uh but so we sha not but like um lily and lana were born men and Mm -hmm. have transitioned now to to to, to being women um but and it's interesting it's um I hadn't actually looked at it through that lens before because I've looked at it through many lenses. Mm. Um, I remember around the turn of a century, we can say that. Um, (laughs) Jesus. Around around the turn of a century, I was involved in some left-wing political groups in Australia Um, and I used to quite regularly read our our newspaper, which is called Socialist Worker, which Mm -hmm. probably still exists. (laughs) Um, And, you know, they would occasionally have movie reviews in there and amongst, you know, yeah, them railing against the liberal government, <laughs> whatever it was they used to have in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember reading the review of this in there, and the film reviewer's interpretation was this was the most left-wing film that would have ever come out of Hollywood. Um, and if you run in a left-wing socialist lens over it, you can kind of see where he was coming from. Um, yeah, I guess so. By the same token, it's also a film that's been adopted heavily by the political right. Um, as being an allegory for you know waking up from government and media control of our lives. The government and media are our, our matrix, mm. um, and you know the idea of red pilling mm. is a is a widely used um, concept or metaphor um, in in particular right wing groups, including men's rights groups. Mm. Or I've also heard it called black pilling uh, is is something used in in certain um, right wing conspiracy groups as well. So. In a way, I actually consider that a, a very great compliment to the filmmakers in hmm. the sense that they made this incredible story where a number of different people and even just political groups are able to pop themselves into the shoes of protagonists and go, this is about my cause, this is about me, this yeah. is about us. And they have wildly varying, you know, completely opposite almost political views to each other, but they can say, this film is about me and I love it because of that. Um, but to see it now, when with that we've a lens over it of, of being about transgenderism, you're like, I can absolutely see where where the Warkowski sisters were coming from with this, in the sense of you know uh, the scenes where uh, early on, where he they once extracted from the, the Matrix, Neo has to fight um, Morpheus in a training environment in kung fu, learning how to fight, you know. Um, you can almost see that as a metaphor for fighting against yourself or fighting your internal, that internal struggle about that internal struggle between Neo and Morpheus to become what Morpheus knows Neo is or could be. And there's a lot of that kind of thing going on of like, you know, I I think you're this, I think you're actually something more, you're something different to what you think you are. You're more than you think you are. Mm. The reason why you're, bit funky right now why your life isn't what it could be is because you're not living the life you should be your life should be this Mm. Um, and again if you sort of put that lens of transgenderism over the top of it it's it's a story about somebody who's not being their full self and it's about neo's journey to actually fulfilling a prophecy or for starting to be the person he should be
0: yeah i think that that allegory definitely is far more pronounced in the sequels um in the first one because they are constantly going back into the matrix and it seems like that is where they're going to win the fight i do wonder about the transgender kind of message there because it's like they've managed to break free but in order to effect genuine change they have to go back to their old ways and break the system from the inside which i think is a little bit messy maybe i'm just reading too much into that myself but um it's definitely pronounced in the uh, in matrix Relo- reloaded and revolutions that idea especially with the fact that in the by the end of the the third movie neo has gone back to the source to affect the change and i think that and he d- did that in the physical world not the digital world and that being the being him his true self and being the one outside of the game so to speak is the part the one that made the lasting true change i think that is a very strong very good message for in in the with that scope of transgenderism on it.
1: for me i guess that the, the where i got with the end of it made the, the second part of the story Um, Like I said, I still think the whole story is basically, you know, as I said, as a Mm. a metaphor for becoming who you are. Mm. I think the second part of becoming becoming who you are is not just a struggle against yourself. Mm. It's a struggle against the expectations of society. Mm. And I feel like, you know, especially probably in the late night or absolutely in the late night, as we can see today, still the controversy around, Mm. I mean, transgenderism and JK Rowling recently got into a giant shit fight about it mm-hmm. by being, I don't know, having some controversial opinions. Yeah. what is a better term about about it. Um, uh, one of my favourite TV uh, creators, Graham Lynham, um, mm. turned out to be a garbage human being who absolutely yeah. has no, no time for, for people who are transgender and just puts them down the whole time. Yeah. Um, but I felt like the second half of the film, and especially the fight against the agents, Mm. almost a representation of okay I'm neo I want to be this person I think I'm becoming this person the mm. last hurdle for them to overcome is that societal expectation and that societal resistance mm. and the guy in the business suit and the sunglasses is the one
0: pushing back that's that's an iconic you know th- it it was It's genius dressing the agents that way so simple but at the same time so terrifying and you know neo himself in the interrogation scene he says you can't scare me with this gestapo crap it's like yeah that's that's what the gestapo would wear if it was modern day you know it's um the it's all all of this is to the credit of the movie it was so solid every single person as we've said is able to look at it and really enjoy it and engage with the characters um we've we've kind of been talking pretty exclusively about neo but the strong character that is trinity as well one of the few coming out of that time period of movies where she was just a strong independent woman and it served the story it wasn't that she she wasn't a tool of the love interest of this movie and she in fact fought against that for so much of it because she was told oh you're going to fall in love with the one it's like oh really and she fights against that and it doesn't need any rescuing exactly and that's so awesome Ev- and the the brilliant performance of Lawrence Fishburne as well he's amazing as that kind of mentor um sage like character talking about it and just talking about this uh very kind of um spiritual element of this story where it's all about digital and kind of bridging those two gaps because so often people kind of talk about the digital world not being uh, you don't really get get everything from it and here's morpheus talking about well it, how do you define real and especially after this lockdown where everyone is so hungry for that physical touch of of another person but we have resorted to these digital methods to reach out and touch people and make those and everyone says oh, my God, it was so good to be able to actually see my friend on the other side of the world and talk to them and not be isolated and alone. So it's it's an interesting time to come back and review it with that spiritual versus digital dichotomy. I
1: You're feel- right. I think he was, again, this is probably Lauren, I mean, Lawrence Fishburne been around a while. I don't know what anyone was noticing quite so much. I always thought it was a shame we never saw more of um, Carrie um, because mm. – she was in this, she was in, had a smallish role in Inception, but mm. I don't, and she was in um, Iron Fist, I think, um, yes. but I don't recall seeing her in a whole lot.
0: Um, she was in uh, Memento. Sorry? She was Memento. in Memento.
1: I said Memento. I said, did I not say Memento? I thought I meant Memento. She was in a small role in that. Mm.
0: Um, but oh, that, You said Inception. There,
1: sorry, I'm sorry, wrong one. Wrong one. Uh, wrong <laughs> <Nolan>. right, director. <laughs> uh, um, t- yes, Memento, which is, oh, it's a good film. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um y- the 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 rest of the cast is 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 amazing and uh, I think Hugo Weaving is the standout for the rest in the sense that he has we talked a little bit about the costuming and mm-hmm. how effective that was for the, all the agents but mm-hmm. I, what I like best about Hugo's performance in this is his accent
0: yeah Mr Anderson just you know the, the uh, pronunciation of
1: things is like just sort of mid Atlantic it's like oh Mr Anderson you disappoint yeah. me. How? Who are you going to call if you're unable to
0: speak? It's almost like the evil twin of um, Gary Cole's character from Office Space. Yeah. So <laughs> like, yeah, I'm
1: going to need yeah. you to come in. Like... I to go ahead and ask you to get back in the matrix. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but, but it's you know, it, it, it's, I really don't think that there's a single bit of this movie or part of the production of this movie that lets it falter. The soundtrack was awesome. That Invisible. was on right. so the, much.
1: The song we talked about in the, um, the, the uh, foyer of a lobby shootout scene is a song by Propeller Heads called Spy Break.
2: Yes, that's and, it. That
1: was in a lot of movies back then. I used that mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but we had um Rob Zombie. We had mm-hmm. uh, Wake Up by Rage Against Machine. I remember Rocky's Dead by Marilyn Manson was in the yeah. soundtrack. It was a great, so, very late 90s
0: yes yes very very of the time but it fits so well and the the music the uh the composed music for the film as well by uh don davies i think it is it's so simple and there's not actually much of it because it's put with these sort of like rock and techno inspired kind of uh, pieces anyway but it's brilliantly done and it is so iconic that trumpet opening when you the 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 opening credits that kind of bwah, bwah. it's you you hear that and you say go yeah that's the Matrix and it's like three notes it's that's that's impressive.
1: It um it, the other thing
0: I, I always enjoy about this film is
1: it was shot in Australia. Yeah, all three films were shot in Sydney. Uh, um, and it's, it's I'm not as familiar, obviously, Sydney as I am with Melbourne. If be Melbourne, I would have been going, ah, oh, that's... But you can certainly see, and I enjoy that in a sense. I mean, you can see a lot of Australian brands, like you know, the final scene where where, where um, Neo hangs up a phone after talking to a, the agents, you can see Dimick's book store behind him and, yeah. and stuff like that. And the little Australian actors here, there. And so Matt Doran, who plays Mouse, was on Home and Away for years and years and years. And Nick <laughs> McDimie, who plays the girl for White Rabbit, he was on Home and Away, um, mm. and that's that's wonderful to see some some familiar faces in a month. The other thing I think also always reminds me, think when I saw this film, is the thing I, apart from walking away from this film going, fuck, that was so good, mm. um, was, my God, I want one of those phones.
0: Oh, my God. And, the, and it wasn't even a real phone. They, they ended up making it because it was such high demand because that – I was like surely you are gonna walk out of this film and someone's gonna go hey buy the phone from you know yeah
1: from nope. Johns, which is the store back then um like you know like yeah you're right like, i was thinking i'm like i'm gonna see those phones everywhere in the next six months and yeah. i never knew anyone who ever had one like if they were available they weren't available here
0: i got one eventually i think it was like eight months after the movie came out and it, it felt so good to just go and it just slid out. It's like, yeah,
1: I want one so bad.
0: Yeah, it's entirely pointless. Yeah, but it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they do look pretty, uh,
1: pretty ancient these days. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, I remember at the time walking out going, I need one of them, and I wouldn't mind a pair of those sunglasses. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so it's an iconic look again for a whole for a whole of neo. Um,
0: I've got a full length black leather coat still with me to this day i it's come with me to the other side of the world and it's because of that movie
1: i have one in the cupboard too but i'm, I'm a bit short to pull it off really <laughs> hey you could have a train <laughs> yeah a little bit i, I did i was wearing it occasionally when you walk up steps you end up stepping on it so it's like oh, <laughs> um but uh my goodness what a what a uh a, a disappointment the sequels were after this like i remember how psyched everyone was because, mm-hmm. of course, they shot the first one in Sydney, then they came back and they shot the sequels back-to-back. Yeah. Uh, 2001, 2002-ish, and then they came out within a year, six months of each other, I think, maybe, I can't remember. Um yeah, I think
0: It might have been just six months.
1: Um But I think everyone was super, super psyched for Matrix Reloaded. Mm. And, oh, goodness. Uh, I don't think, I think our hopes were like, we sort of walked away going, I don't think I got it. And then we mm. saw revolutions yeah yeah i'm sorry i'm out
0: yeah because there's the the only really bad element of matrix reloaded is this the overly long sequence of the architect and i get the point of it having all of those you know, for lack of a better word, in infinite screens showing all of the possibilities and all the possible answers that Neo might give and all of that stuff. Great concept, but visually and time-wise, it was very slow. And I get why they got the architect to talk with that type of language because he's a program and he's suppo- he's using concurrently vis-a-vis Erco and all of that stuff. It makes sense, but it's not engaging to the audience. And then- when you finally have that moment where neo connects with the matrix outside of the real world that was kind of like okay pull everyone back in but that taste of that that moment of the architect just really brought everyone down so like, i'm confused and like i got to the end of that movie and went oh shit is it is are we going into level 2 of the fucking matrix have they put this back door in where they're still in a fucking Virtual reality world
1: that would have been it was basically the the Star Trek Next Generation episode of Ship in a Bottle
0: mm. in a
1: movie
0: yeah which is a brilliant idea and I can't believe that it hasn't actually been done in a movie it must have been but I can't it
1: can the Matrix um while I have said quite I felt it was revolutionary incredibly mm. um uh, in, uh, influential and in many ways from a Hollywood perspective very very original story, production, yada, yada, yada. It does draw very heavily from mm. some films of the past. And I imagine you would probably be able to tell me better than, than any. It's probably pinching a lot of ideas from anime because... Oh, yeah, 100%. Guys were huge into anime. Sorry, the, 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 the Wachowskis were big into anime. You can see with the yeah. anime, which I've... Talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. Every well, single
0: think. one of their movies, it is so heavily inspired, especially when you look at Speed Racer. Oh my goodness. That is a true homage to uh, <laughs> fucking anime put onto screen. It's, a, it's incredible. Even their more unpopular movies like Jupiter Ascending I watched that again recently um so much of the action sequences is shot like a fight sequence or an action sequence that you will get in an anime or very t- more typical um asian inspired action movies that sort of stuff like the wire work that um became so popular because of the matrix um yu ping I think his name is the the wire work choreographer links into the Ip Man series that i will be talking about in a minute um, um
1: but, well, aside from the anime so there's an incredibly heavy anime influence which probably is maybe one of the first real entrees of, of that anime style and influence sort of for world. World. sort yeah. of cross-colonating with some of that hong kong style cinema sci-fi and where yeah. the film does draw heavily from some other films um Look, I don't know if Wachowski saw them, but when you see these films made well before the Matrix, you're like they probably did. Um, yeah. One from the seventies that I saw at a Melbourne Film Festival a few years ago it was called *World on a Wire* (1973). Mm. It's a German miniseries slash TV movie thing directed by Rainer Werner Fassbender. Um, is a very, very somewhere in the future. There is a computer project called Simulacron, uh, one of which is able to simulate a full fiction reality. Um and when the project leader dies, his successor experiences an odd phenomena. Yada yada yada. Uh, and it's basically about what is reality? What am I in the matrix? In the computer simulacron? Am I, you know, um, in reality? There was a film that came out the same year as um as uh
0: the, the Matrix called The Thirteenth Floor. Have you seen that? Oh shit! I heard about. It. I haven't watched it, but I've heard about it. I've heard that it's actually kind of good. Yeah
1: it's based on world on a wire as well okay so, um you know uh
0: it's not an entirely original concept no no not at all but it like it it kind of frankenstein's monsters so many styles and theories like neo at the start when he pulls out the um the disc from that from the fake book it's like a book about Nietzsche and there's so much like spirituality and um Asian belief systems set into it um like I Ching kind of ideologies come into it a lot and it's like they, 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 it's just a Frankenstein's monster of a movie of concepts, ideas, and how are we going to do this? We'll draw from over here. We'll do this. They've done that over here. Boom, 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 boom. But it doesn't feel like it. It feels so organic and just put together as one cohesive unit. It's amazing.
1: And, and it's very easy to get away with that kind of thing when you're ripping off a film from 25 years earlier that nobody in the West <laughs> saw mm, mm. A book that nobody read. So... Yeah. Um, I, you know, <laughs> It's, um, I would encourage people, if you can get a hold of World on a Wire and you're very patient and you don't mind things getting a bit fucking weird, it's worth a look. If nothing else, it's one of those interesting film, um, what do you call it, like a uh artifact, you know, the way you can sort of mm. go, it's like, it's like listening to Led Zeppelin going, what did you Led Zeppelin listen to? And then going back and listening to, you know, Muddy Waters or something, you can kind of go, oh, okay, this is where they, yeah. you, know, you see that the origins of where it ended up, like seeing where it started. Um, but uh, it's it's it was done very well. But I mm-hmm. you know, go back and see *World on a Wire* in 1973. Now there's somebody who truly been and a lot mm-hmm. of the drugs. Um, I <laughs> recommend *The Thirteenth Floor*. If you um if you do if you liked *The Matrix*, you might like *The Thirteenth Floor*. The other film about the same time it's worth mentioning is *Dark City*.
0: I was just looking that up. It came out the year before,
1: and uh, I don't couldn't say necessarily say that *The Matrix* was influenced greatly by me. I mean, they were so close in time. A uh, script obviously existed probably well before Dark City, but gosh, the aesthetic's similar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now we're both shot in Sydney.
0: Yeah, and both great. <laughs> oh, well, Dark
1: City, by means, nowhere near as famous, but what a wonderful little, and very different kind of story, I guess. But, like, you can find us, it, they're kind of cousins. They yeah. feel very similar in some ways in that whole questioning about what is reality.
0: Mm, mm. Um, and waking to, up to to your to yourself to what's really going on around you yeah. and finding out it's
1: pretty fucking weird.
0: Yeah. It's, um so you've got one more movie the movie what you've been, been aiming there, for. I'm one. handing the keys
1: to my co-host after this one because I have been a little bit um uh, dictatorish. Um <laughs> uh, and I I'm handing him the keys at a very challenging time because I Once he sees what I'm going to give him to do, he's going to have... It's going to be difficult to see where he goes next. (laughs) But we are going to watch the uh, 1998... This is a film I've wanted you to watch for a while, and I I, I hope I haven't already. I hope I haven't. Is this (laughs) Reckless Kelly? No, goodness no. (laughs) You know, I am a benevolent and kind. (laughs) This is the 1998 Australian film, The Interview.
0: Okay. Starring
1: Hugo Weaving.
0: Okay. All right. This is interview. one of
1: my favorite movies. Um, and I've always kind of wanted that. I, I would be very excited to hear what you make of it because you have such an interesting take on film sometimes. Um, <laughs> especially your, your superpower in the first five minutes of films going, oh, he did it with the candlestick in the conservatory. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you might just go, I get it. I know exactly what's going to happen for the rest of the 90 minutes. Uh, <laughs> So I often wonder if it's a film like this that might have got in a, car, a go in, in The Matrix because this is an acting tour de force mm. for, for Hugo um, and, and a truly underrated Australian film.
0: Okay, okay. I look forward to that. And, ladies and gentlemen, next week we will be talking about the interview starring Hugo Weaven from 1998, so
1: the year it was before very, this movie. Very different places. There was no, no, no explosions in this.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. No helicopter but, uh, buildings. I've already got some ideas of where I'm going to go next.
1: Okay. I see. My person you might follow, Michael Caton because he did some work in Hollywood, mm. uh, but uh, you know the rest of the cast were pretty low profile.
0: Yeah, Well, I've I've got yeah, some that ideas. he's on your
1: your plate, not mine. And if we get that, <laughs> yeah.
0: all right. Well, I will I will cultivate a bit of a roadmap for a few movies and see if I can get us to one that forces me to make you watch a movie you haven't watched.
1: <laughs> that priv- I, mean, I have been kind of I haven't been privileged the last few weeks in the sense since Highlander. I hadn't seen Highlander 2, actually, I don't think. So <laughs> not that far away from something I hadn't seen before.
0: Yeah. Alright. So um going off of the Matrix, and we teased it before, um, the wire work of Wu Yu Ping, uh, talking um about the Ip Man series. Now this is there's four Ip Man movies in the saga, all starring Donnie Yen, who um i think he's pretty well known in hollywood now he's definitely turned up in a lot of stuff he was in uh uh, Rebo- uh rogue one um as the 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 blind the monk, really, you know, i guess
1: force. i wonder if you
0: know yes they, they have a stick exactly yes he um didn't really have a speaking role but he was in blade two which i watched recently he was part of the the blood pack um and i think he was in uh, the last or the most recent of the triple x movies as well i think some of those are some of his biggest movies perhaps that have not been from the from the asian market but this is i would say it's probably the closest way of describing it it's a biography about ipman who is who was the um the trainer of Bruce Lee and uh, Wu Yuping and a lot of um, that kind of branch of martial arts and it It goes almost the route of um the Danny Boyle uh, Steve Jobs movie where that movie it focused on 3 three moments in Steve Jobs life this it kind of does that but it takes one moment for each movie and the first one is really beautiful it's set during the war um between uh China and Japan and he is um he's a a real car, real guy Ip Man and he is kind of renowned in his uh in his land for being the best martial artist. And it just literally chronicles his life over four very different points of his life. He's. It, countryside based in the first one then he moves over to um moves into hong kong and then you start and it's really weird watching the 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 third one in particular because there's a lot of that influence from the british government over the police at that time because that was before the handover and everything like that um it's just really well done and the martial arts is phenomenal Donnie Yun is amazing, and he does the, the wire work in the, in these movies is fantastic. Samo Hung, the guy um, who uh, – fuck, I've just got to look at it because I always forget it. Uh, he did Sammo oh, – yes, here we go. He was in Martial Law, uh, 1998 to 2000. It was one of these terrible TV shows. He was – I guess you could kind of say it was almost like a proto rush hour in some ways. He was a Shanghai cop. this uh, master of martial arts, fights crime in Los Angeles police department. He is awesome. And he is one of the, the fight choreographers throughout the whole thing. He does a really good job. And just the, the whole series works great. I haven't had a chance to watch number four, but uh, number four, um, it, it talks about the the trouble that Bruce Lee got into when he came to LA and started teaching these Asian culture ideas to people who were not Asian. And that caused a lot of uh, cultural disturbance um, locally and, um, and back in the homeland, so to speak. And um, Ip Man basically had to come in and, resolve the situation and it's it's just really beautifully done if you want something that gives you a little bit of a history lesson but really really entertaining and obviously the fight sequences they they take liberties with them because when martial artists actually fight they can't do all of the things that happen in the movies they can't float <laughs> it's expressionistic
1: live ladies and gentlemen from my co-host tonight i (laughs) saw cracking target hidden dragon i'm pretty sure that was a documentary
0: (laughs) but it's absolutely brilliant stuff um the fight sequences are fantastic the story and the relationship that builds up between Ip man and his wife and how that evolves over the movies it's beautiful it's really just so heartfelt it's one of the more the the evolution of their their romance from the first movie to the third movie it's one of the best romance stories that I have seen in a very long time. It's really beautiful. It's very honest, and I appreciate that when it comes to the romantic side of things. So I don't I'm not going to talk too much about it because I just want people to experience it. They're available on all streaming services, huh? Would you consider this a kung fu movie? just by the very topic of it yes but it's 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 got other things going on there there's a lot of um interesting stuff going into the culture and particularly the fact that there's most of it is about culture clash and the uh combativeness and fighting against tradition of you know when it man uh starts setting up his um uh, his school in hong kong the other martial arts masters kind of said, no you can't do that yet you've got to do this test you've got to be you've got to prove that you are a master before you can do it it's it's really interesting looking back at it and it's like okay this is this is actually really really interesting um so yes it's a martial arts movie but it's more than that, and it does all of those things very well. The action sequences are really good. The drama is really good. The um, biographical elements of it are really good. The set design is fantastic. Everything about it just works really, really well. And, you know, I've always had a, um, you know, a big soft spot in my heart for anything asian cultured whether it's food whether it's movies music whatever i love it all it's all fascinating to me um but i think that there is something in these movies for everyone to watch and i do recommend you go out and watch these movies because you will get something out of them whether it's just oh the fight sequences are awesome or that was really beautiful moment of history and that was really fascinating and i went down a a wikipedia black hole going through all of the stuff that this guy went through in his life and it's like holy shit he was he was like a linchpin of some history here man because without him we wouldn't have movies like the matrix because students of his learned what they needed to learn from him and it's really fascinating just looking at he's kind of the the starting point for so much like we talk about oh who inspired led zeppelin and things like that most martial arts action movies can especially because of movies like the matrix where they popularize this wirework stuff it can kind of be directly linked back to him it's amazing it's really really good so get out and watch it but I, stay in and I, watch. I look at a kung fu
1: film and i go meh Never never really excited. But that said, though, there are occasional ones where you feel like we're doing something a bit different. And so a film mm. like, say, Cracking Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was mm. a, a more ambitious. So it was kind of a, a, a B movie that was actually pretending to be an A movie, if you make it the other. Like, it was elevated by the director, and, you know, mm. uh, Chao Young-Fat, I think, was in that. Um, yes. Uh, yes. And it was just such an incredible – I mean, it, you sort of – the wire work in that film was – you know, next level and amazing. So oh,
2: yeah.
1: um, th- I feel like a film like that as opposed to the kind of stuff that John right. Woo used to spit out in the 80s. And I know it's sacrilege to He's his, his Hong Kong work and it's so good, but like, it never did it for me. So, But you've got me on Ip Man. Ip Man sounds like it's trying to be in that sort of genre or that sort of oeuvre of films like mm. yeah, Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon, is trying to do something a little bit more interesting with, with, with Kung Fu included.
0: i I would say yeah if you if you like crouching tiger hidden dragon and the the openness of that movie yeah this this movie it's it's not crouching tiger hidden dragon not at all but that um, the subtlety of utilizing the drama and using the martial arts to inform on that and vice versa it's i think you'll enjoy it i think if if you like the first one You might not need to watch the rest of them because it's kind of more of the same but just different periods of his life. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ip Man is on Netflix, so stay in, watch it. It's really good.
1: If I have time, I have so much to do these days.
0: Oh, yes, it's so hard being you, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Hey, I've got a lot of work to do these days. I have actual work to do at work, and I have uh, three different films to watch every week and review.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So of, tell me about Condor.
1: So a friend of mine put this on to me, that Condor is available in Australia uh, streaming on Stan. If you are um, so inclined, I've got no idea about how you watch it overseas, so don't ask me. You've got Google, you do it. Um, <laughs> so Condor is based on the novel Six Days of a Condor. By James Grady. Um, and has you might be, some of you out there might be going, huh, uh, that sounds familiar. But has that been turned into a, uh, a film or TV show before? You would be correct. Uh, okay. in it, it was actually turned into a film in 1975 starring Robert Redford uh, called Three Days of a Condor. Um, and Faye okay. Dunaway. Sorry, I've heard of that movie. Yeah, it's a famous spy movie, right? In that yeah. time, it's maybe the' most famous, but it's pretty well known. Um, and uh, sub uh, sub note: the guy who wrote it also wrote uh, who wrote the Three Days of a Condor, also wrote Flash Gordon, um, okay. not the not the cartoon strip of the movie, yeah, uh, the, the, <laughs> the 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 good one. Um, <laughs> so this is it's taken that uh, I've not read the book, but I have seen the original film. Um, and it sort of takes that that sort of Cold War sort of space story from the the original novel and film and sort of moves it into the present day. Hmm. Condor follows CIA analyst Joe Turner, Mm -hmm. um, who stumbles onto a plan that threatens the lives of millions. Joe has always been conflicted about his work for the CIA, but when something he's discovered gets his entire office killed, leaving Joe as the only survivor and forcing him to go to run, the theoretical reservations he's harbored turn into all too real moral dilemmas, yada, yada, yada. He goes on the run from your standard sort of, you know, uh shadowy, you know, government cabal of people doing cabali evil things. Um <laughs> I'm That's what they have on their bio. <laughs> on their LinkedIn. What were you, you know, evil cabal, not yet, 2009 through 2017. What were you doing in the evil cabal? You know, cabali things. Um, <laughs> So it's just generic evil work, you know. Um, you yeah, know, excellence of evil, um, making sure I don't replace the toilet roll in the oh, room. putting it on the wrong way if I do. Oh yes. Uh, so I'm there. Is two seasons of this. I've got to episode nine in season one, so it's the second last episode. So I'm not quite at the uh, end yet. Um, this has an interesting cast. A couple of familiar names would be. Bob uh, Balaban. If you don't know who he is, you'll Google him, you'll be like, "Oh, that guy, seen him in heaps of stuff." Um, the other one would be uh, William Hurt, playing uh, Bob Partridge. And so William Hurt again. If you, you get one of those names, you'll, oh, I think I know who that is. You look him up, you'll be like, "He's been oh, yeah. in stuff. Yeah. He's an Academy Award winner um, for History of Violence. Actually, I think he won it." Um, uh, yeah very, very uh, like seven minutes of screen time exactly for a very short screen uh, and mira Sorvino is in this as well um other than that the rest of the cast are pretty new and generic and that kind of works against it for me early on so okay we have our spy plot i'm not going to spoil it you do quickly learn it evolves so sorry i missed a very important cast member i can't believe i did it but um who is he here i can't believe he's not one of the first people listed here brenda but fraser, brenda fraser is, um, is in this and Brendan Fraser, I think, is the most interesting character in the in the show. Okay. So kudos to Brendan Fraser, the more see of him, the better he was good in Doom Patrol. And I like yes. this again here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so um, we, uh, we learn about this terrorist shit going on. And we have the main character of Joe Turner, who is a very moral person who happens to work for an offshoot of the CIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's always felt conflicted about it, and is going to start feeling more conflicted about it soon when everybody in his office is murdered, um, basically because of something he discovered inadvertently. He is played by Max Irons, who I believe is Jeremy Irons' son. Yes, um, and he previously a model, from what my friend told me, mm-hmm. uh, who recommended, it. and I think she would know because I think he's half the reason she watches it. <laughs> um there are a number of unmotivated bum in the moonlight walks um <laughs> which, uh, i think are, are lacking these days the um, unmotivated bum in the moonlight walks um and it's a very nice bum uh unfortunately he's where it, I, it's going to say that very strange criticism especially early on mm. there are so many generic good-looking people in this who just look like generic good-looking people. Like someone you see in a Shutterstock photo. Uh, okay. Very difficult to remember who was who. Uh,
2: know,
1: okay. Second, Who's that guy again? Is he the friend from the bar or is he somebody else? Like, uh, I like so, so the actors, the main stars in this are so unmemorable. Okay. Like, Max, he's a good-looking boy. His dad can act the lights out. Mm-hmm. max very very forgettable character like
0: completely generic you know is that throughout the whole season that you found or I does he warm a, up to it?
1: honestly i don't want to spill too much away but the cast does thin down a little bit as the story goes on mm-hmm. and of course, obviously you do start to get a little bit more familiar if you're spending nine hours with somebody hmm. you're going to start to get like but the thing is Brennan Fraser is in the first scene in the show. And mm-hmm. I want to say it's a great scene. And he's quickly established, and he plays a bad guy in this, which is cool. Hey. Uh, and you're quickly, you, you, he is such a part of it is because he's a very memorable face. He's, mm. We've seen lots of Brennan Fraser films. He's very famous. Yeah. And he, his character is so interesting and so memorable. And the way he plays it is so interesting and memorable. He's an interesting and memorable actor. Mm. There are uh, William Hurt is an interesting and memorable actor. Bob Balaban is an interesting and memorable actor. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the list of people in this film who are interesting and memorable. TV show, sorry, who are interesting and memorable. You sort of do start to recognise people because you're like, obviously Joe is our protagonist. We're with him all the time. Okay, we've got that under control. We know who he is. But like, there are sort of generic, good-looking middle-aged wives. You kind of like hang on a second, how does she click into the story again? I mean, I just that was just my instant reaction was that these people are just, like I said, generic looking people who aren't memorable um, and I think that's potentially the biggest weakness of a show and it, a show I think is quite good and yeah. we'll look, it's just I found them difficult to follow who was who and to care who was who other than what was necessary to care about to keep the story moving along I think they could have cast their roles a little bit better with some some better actors, and dare I say, it, less pretty actors. Mm, mm. They Don't look like real people; they all look like models. Um, you know, and I yeah, who uh, you know, moonlighting is working for the CIA. Um, i it's <laughs> like very critical here. The first two episodes, I was a bit like, eh, "I'm not sure," but hung in there, and it does get better. As I mean, it was not tragically awful. It's just a bit generic the first couple mm. of episodes. It really starts to get, it takes the story to some interesting places as you start to really get under the covers of a conspiracy that's at play and start to really identify with Joe's struggle. And yeah. I guess where I think this does separate from some of the other shows um, you would see on television is it doesn't pull a whole lot of punches. I mean, not the sense there's a lot of gore, but it's not afraid to go hard. It is not a far afraid to... Um, to kill someone you thought was going to last the season. Okay, quite brutal, quite okay. cold and brutal. I'm not okay. Oh, listen to me, the, the words of a dying man. I have one, one thing to say, but yeah, you know, like it's just like boom, boom, they're gone. Oh wow. Okay. And you were like, oh, oh, oh. I, I thought that she was going to be like Safe. and, and safer, Safe. the, you know, like I, I might say, I maybe mean, who I, the character who I thought was going to be the main love interest of Joe's.
2: Mm.
1: Does not last terribly long. You're like, oh, okay, wow. Uh, they just go out of one particularly intense situation, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I think you had this where, and your brain is sort of trained to expect that mm. they, you know, get to the next, get through to the end, because you know she's been given such importance in this in the series to date.
0: No, nope, I just knock her off. Okay. So it sounds a little bit. Kind of almost like a, a slight cross stylistically between um the uh, the fuck uh, not Jack Reacher the um God what's that the Amazon one uh, uh Jack Ryan Jack Ryan yeah Jack Ryan with a little bit of the Game of Thrones you don't quite know who's gonna die kind of thing
1: yeah I, I mean, certainly you can see a bit of Jack Ryan in there um I, I'd say John Krasinski is about twenty five percent more memorable than Max Science but mm-hmm. just i'm sorry i'm not a fan It's <laughs> uh, not my favorite jack ryan not my jack ryan give me harrison for um, <laughs> yeah i guess it's a bit that way um in in, in, the, in the sense of it's you know global terrorism and a young good-looking you know cia agent gallivanting around trying to pull out pull the strings and put it all together in his head and save the world um yeah, it, it look. I mean, I said it was very. I, I know I gave it a bit of a boot to start with, and sort of its unmemorable characters, mm-hmm. but uh, unmemorable cast. I say, not characters. The characters are getting there for me. Um, you stick with them, but They do get a little bit more interesting. It's just the actors portraying them aren't top 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 tier. Okay. Um, but I, I got to be, I got to be at the end of episode nine last night. And was very disappointed. I had to go to bed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So it's it's worth a look if you like spy thrillers. If you uh, like you know, good-looking male models who go for mo- bum-in-the-moonlight walks. There's a few of them. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I look, if, you, if you're just curious, like I know I watched Three Days of a Condor a couple of years ago, and I'm like, huh, I want to see what a TV show like that looks like, and I'm kind of glad I had a look. It's well-rated. It has a 7.8 on mm-hmm. IMDb, so, um, you know, uh, it's not just uh, my opinion. It, it's, it's very good. Okay.
0: All right. Cool. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about, or are we done? I about- wanted to give a quick heads up that um,
1: I, um, I did mention last week that I, I did pick up super hot on VR. Oh,
0: yes, that's right. I haven't had a
1: chance to really stick a lot of time into it, but um, I must say I can see why people like it. The the, the, the basic uh, for those who don't know, it's a a shooter, I guess. But the whole idea is that the the people who are supposed to shoot only move when you move. Mm. Uh, and so I guess the idea is the way you've got to work out how to move around, get your hands on weapons, kill them mm. while also trying to dodge them, shooting you. Yeah. Um, and that sounds like that that would be really, really cool on console or something like that. And mm. the only downside, and I guess it's cool on VR as well, and trust me, all the reviews on Oculus Store are outstanding. Uh, the only mm. complaint people have about it is how short it is. The problem Uh I have is it requires a lot of space. Ah, there was a lot of moving around and sort of stepping side to side and that kind of thing, which I mean, I am uh, I have a a room set aside for this now, but even then it's not not a completely empty room. So, Uh you know, and I'm constantly pushing that. So the idea in the Oculus is to have something called a a guardian boundary. So you draw Mm -hmm. a boundary inside the room where you can go without banging into anything. And you can't really move very far, can't move too far without actually bumping into it. Not necessarily hitting the wall, but, you know, starting to test the, the limits of that boundary and, you know, potentially stepping over it where I'm started to risk stepping on something I don't want to step on. Yeah. Uh, so that makes it distracting because okay. you've got a ball coming towards you, you're trying to dodge, and all of a sudden you're, up <laughs> and you're about to head on a wall. <laughs> so um I, I I will continue to give it a try. I've been thinking actually I might set up my oculus actually out in the courtyard because there's actually no reason I need to be inside. Um it's not ready. Oh, yeah, that could work, yeah. So and there'd be a lot more space out there. But um that's the that's the only downside of it so far is it does need that space and that is not too many people have that much space and most most VR games understand that and <laughs> don't necessarily encourage a great deal of side to side forward and back movement. You kind of mm do stand in one spot a lot because, yeah, not everyone has that kind of space. But um, that and the fact that some of the checkpoints are really unforgiving.
0: <laughs> I'm Playing it on the Xbox, I have come across a uh, similar thing. It's so like, whew, okay, yep, that's 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 a lot. That's a lot. All right. It's like you go through three or four missions in a row
1: and you get to the last one and die and you're like, oh, no, I can't. I can't do those free again. That was a pain in the ass. Um, but it's uh, it's also, I must say, it is an interesting way to you can get you get up a bit of a sweat. Yeah, <laughs> Just and throwing things and stuff like that. It's, it's not exactly an exercise game, but um, yeah, get a little bit of exercise. I've been doing a lot of exercise. It's actually in 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 ISO mm. having a VR is actually not a bad way to get a workout. Yeah, <laughs> boxing or something like that.
0: Now, how um, going back to our uh, chain movies? Uh, how long am I going to have the uh, driving seat?
1: I think I had it for three weeks. I feel like three weeks is only reasonable
0: because <laughs> to get to where I want to be, <laughs> I need five movies. <laughs> I feel like three is reasonable. I, I will see if I can cut it down, but otherwise, it's it's five really good movies.
1: <laughs> I had to work my ass off to get us to Hugo Weaving, and I, I said I, I could have got us to Hugo Weaving faster if I'd taken through Reckless Kelly. <laughs> I did do that to you. I just like to remind you of that.
0: I appreciate that, but genu- genuinely, some really to to give you a couple of teases, Peter Weir harrison ford ryan johnson there's a uh, three connective names that uh, i've gotten there oh what aha uh-huh. i might be able to cut cut a movie out just by thinking that
1: <laughs> uh, there we go he's uh, the brain's working and, and you know what i'm very curious to find out where we're going to go next <laughs> um maybe if you guys want to find out too you're just gonna have to tune in next week
0: yeah, and uh, please follow us on Facebook, on Twitch, on YouTube. Leave comments; we will answer them, or at least I will uh, eventually, because I'd rather do that than work. And uh, if you've got any yeah. recommendations, let us know. We'll we'll check them out—movies, a uh, couple of episodes of TV shows, if it's if it's a series of stuff. Um, but yeah, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's the show. I think that's yeah. true—an hour and seventeen minutes. Brisk, tell you, brisk. but on that note ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening we really do appreciate it and uh the all of the episodes that have been aired live are now available on podcast services and i'm going to make sure that they are up on podcast services so you can watch uh listen to them at your leisure on fridays that'll be friday evenings to be a bit more exact and they are on the youtube um Fried Brain Productions playlist. If you want to rewatch it and be able to pause and not miss a moment of our dulcet tones. Lucky. Until next yeah. time, thank you very much. Good night.
2: Good night.